I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. Always reporting. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my ass. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Nerd Alert. I, of course, as you can tell by my voice, am not your favorite host in all of podcastum, uh, as Obi John could not be with us tonight for for this lovely show. He had better things to do. Uh, I think it has something to do with uh, the Odin son himself. I'm not sure. He may be. Just playing Fortnite with um, uh, the character whose name I can't remember right now, uh, you know, while Thor just chats. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but you do have myself. Uh, of course, I am Commander Scott. Uh, and joining me, you know, on, on this lovely, lovely uh, 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 trip down memory lane for whatever we're going to be doing tonight uh, is uh, from somewhere in time and space. Uh, we do have the Doc with us doc how are you good so um you know we have to do some role switching on these nights where we don't have obi john and uh so i decided to hit you with a nerd fact hit me uh i'm currently teaching a driver's ed course it's two weeks we're almost done we're almost done with our driving but yesterday we had somebody come in a substance abuse counselor to talk about drinking and things like that Um, And I found out some interesting information about Iowa. So if I were to say to you, one drink, do you know what constitutes a drink? Uh, From the time that you start imbibing to the time that you stop. So uh, (laughs) if you can get a whole fifth down, hey, it qualifies. One drink, right? So by alcohol percentage by volume, a drink is a one and a half ounce shot of liquor a five ounce glass of wine or a 12 ounce bottle or can of beer. Okay. They all have about equal amounts of alcohol for the concentration. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think defines binge drinking? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, that depends. Can I, if I can get through a whole season of something, and I'm still drinking. Is yeah. that, does that <laughs> yeah. constitute binge drinking? Because yeah. that's binge watching, you know, is a whole season. Binge watching, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for a typical adult, uh, this pattern corresponds to consuming five or more drinks for men or four or more drinks for women in about two hours. 
So binge drinking is five drinks in two hours if you're a man, four drinks in two hours if you're a woman. The state of Iowa, they did a survey. The state of Iowa ranks 45 out of 51 surveyed areas, so 50 states plus Washington, D.C., ranks 45 out of 51 for misuse of illicit drugs. Okay, so that's pretty good, right? You know, Mm -hmm. one being the highest, 51 being the lowest. We rank 45th in illicit drug use. So that's pretty good. We don't use drugs. Guess guess where we rank for binge drinking? Um, Seventh. Close. Eighth. Eighth. We are eighth in the entire United States, all 50 states, plus the Washington, D.C., in binge drinking in consuming alcoholic beverages. Not only that, but in the year 2020, uh, alcohol sales in the state of Iowa increased almost 9% in the fiscal year. Well, Uh, so to be fair, though, I think alcohol sales in 2020 raised across the board. You know, like everybody raised because we kind of shut the world down. There wasn't much else for people to do but drink. Uh so. so I I had to bring this up because I know when I do the show with you guys, I like to have an adult beverage. I'm pretty sure you also have an adult beverage. Obi John usually has one. So, you know, cheers to Iowa. Number eight. We're in the top ten. Cheers to Iowa. Number eight. I expect you to be better by next year. Number seven. <laughs> we'll work on it. Anyway. We'll work on it. Anyway, moving forward, we do have it is not just myself. And the doc tonight, you are not just going to be listening to us ramble on. We have a special guest with us uh, tonight. And if you have listened to uh, one of our sister shows, uh, House Rules, then you will definitely know her from there. We have the illustrious Jamie B is is joining us for her inaugural Nerd Alert episode. Jamie, how are you doing tonight? But we, we don't have applause on the soundboard. Hang on. Nope, that's not it. Wait. <laughs> there it goes. Yay! Yay! That's At bad. least it wasn't one of mine. <laughs> oh, I've got yours queued up, Jay. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, that was good. I love when that, I love when that happens. That that <laughs> makes my night. <sighs> so anyway, like I said, Jamie, so, how are you? Oh, you know, just doing fantastic chilling i do not have my adult beverage i didn't want to wreck my voice for my first time on nerd alert but now i'm kind of wondering where kentucky falls on the binge drinking and if i drank a, a younger gentleman under the table in florida does that count towards florida stats or does that count towards kentucky I, I'm, gonna since go with, I'm still representing I'm, uh, ooh, i don't know that's a good question. That is a that is a very good question. Uh, Jay, when your stats on Iowa, did you look any of those up, or were they all provided by your guest speaker? That was the guest speaker provided that. I see. Um, well, let's see if we can find this here. United States, <laughs> because I'm curious now. Uh, United States uh, binge drinking statistics. Let's see what we got here. I don't understand binge drinking. The doc has already informed us of that. Uh, alcohol facts and <laughs> statistics. Uh, no, no, it's not giving me anything by state. Doc, I need I need stats here. You're the you're the the the, the math guy. Yep. Where can I find stats? I'm I'm also googling. I'm don't worry. I'm googling <laughs> by state. Cool. 
Let's uh, add by state here. Yes, by state. Here uh, we go. Data on excessive drinking, CDC. Uh, prevalence. 16. I might have it. I might have okay, it. What do, you got? what do you got? What do you got? We, also, okay. I also feel like since recently traveling to Wisconsin for work, that they're probably going to be pretty high up there, too, okay. considering where Here I was at. <laughs> All right. What we got? Binge drinking prevalence among adults in the United States as of 2019 by state. So this is 2019 data. So number mm-hmm. one, District of Columbia. Uh, that probably that's a per capita thing, I would imagine. I would assume, yeah. Um, Wisconsin, North Dakota, Montana, South Dakota, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska. Oh, states with a boy. lot of flat land and nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Got it. Kentucky, you are you're down there at only sixteen point eight percent. Sixteen. Ah, uh, you're you're tower you're towards the bottom. You're in the bottom. So so we're right half for sure. So so what you're saying is, Kentucky, the the home of bourbon, is getting yes. outdrank by Iowa, a place with a bunch of cornfields. All right. No, no, let me list these states. We can Wisconsin, do North Dakota, yeah. mm-hmm. Montana, mm-hmm. South Dakota, mm-hmm. Iowa, yeah. mm-hmm. Minnesota, Nebraska, okay. Illinois. The Midwest rounds out the top <laughs> because we don't have anything to do. Wow. <laughs> well, let's go drinking. Well, yeah. But but that means so, we're just shipping all of our stuff out to the Midwest is what it means. And, yes. And, and yes. Yep. Yeah. Give us all your bourbon. That's yes. what we say. Except uh, not Wisconsin, from what I could see, because all I had was Beam and Makers and Jameson were my options. So that was it. Not he- not heavy on the bourbon in, in northern well, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is proud of their beer heritage. They uh, yes, they're there known was beer for a lot of beers. So that's yes. true. Apparently, Apparently, they're known for pizza, too, because every restaurant that I went to also had pizza. Well, that's just a comfort Midwest thing. Cheese okay. and carbs. I mean, yeah, I it's pretty much can't a go I mean, in, in Iowa, we sell pizza by at gas stations. Like, we have a gas station that's known for its pizza. Well, so. well see, we, we, we have pizza at gas stations down here. I, I, I think cheese and carbs is universal. Its yes. form may change. I think it's un- yeah. I think it's universal. I, I'm I'm pretty sure there's an alien species out there that that that's having you know cheese and carbs. Uh, and, now, and if you put cheese on the carbs, you're just efficient. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and now they may call it glutnock, but you know, it's still going to be cheese and carbs. But anyway, y'all got any pizza on this planet? <laughs> oh, Pizza Planet. I get it. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's <clears throat> so wrong. So wrong. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so tonight our topic, what we're what we're actually wanting to discuss tonight, uh, as, as far as uh, an actual discussion, not about alcoholism or who can drink who under the table or what carbs go best with what cheese. Um, we decided to have a discussion about movie sequels tonight. Uh, at least I assume movie sequels, because if you go back and look at the text, it just says sequels, not actually specifically movie but i guess that's what we're looking at um and we'll talk about some sequels you know good ones bad ones and everything but 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 i think we're going to try and break down like like the good ones are good the bad ones are bad so what makes a good sequel what makes a bad sequel what should people what 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 should studios and stuff do if they're going to make a sequel to something what should they avoid how long between sequels is too long um 
And and Doc, you're the one that came up with this this topic, so I'm going to let you kick off the discussion. What brought up this topic? Like what what? How did you come about it? Where you know? Give us give us its genesis. So last week, um, well, the episode we recorded last week, I remember bringing up Terminator Two and saying it was a perfect sequel, and I said that to sort of goat people, but also. Because I believe it is a really, really good sequel to the original. Uh, uh, yeah, it's universally <laughs> one of the. It's universally accepted as one of the few sequels that is as good, if not better, than the original. Yeah, and that is a very. That's a short list. Uh, I think it's a short list of films mm-hmm. that I've seen anyway, where the sequel matches the original. Um, and I said that, and then I started thinking about how a lot of studios today seem to be just sort of resting on the laurels of the, hey, we had this movie at one time that was really awesome. Let's make another one. Um, And also the phenomenon of movie franchises just churning out sequels after sequel because they're a license to print money. So it got me thinking about sequels. Like, do you need to make a sequel? What really makes a good sequel? Um, And I'll start with, our discussion about Terminator 2. Now, I know I said it was a perfect sequel, and, and Scott disagreed well, for his own reasons. So I'll, I'll, I'll push aside the word perfect, okay? It, Sorry, it, I'm going to have to disagree with you. If you go what? back and listen, your statement, sir, wasn't it's a perfect sequel. Your statement was it was a perfect movie. And, and I no, said, no, I yes, said it was a perfect I, sequel. I'll have to go back and listen. We'll have to go back to the tape at some point, but uh, oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it was so, a perfect movie because eh, it's not a perfect movie, but it's a great sequel. No, no, it's not a perfect movie, but as far as sequels go, it is an amazing sequel because what I think makes this sequel so great is it takes the premise of the first movie and puts a twist to it. Um, and like you said last week, I remember you saying that, you know, Kyle Reese and the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, show up in the past kind of in the same way, and you're not sure, like, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. Well, yeah. Sort of. Go ahead. No, 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 no. So so what I said was, if you go back and watch Terminator 2 now, everybody knows going into it. Yes. Spoilers. That you know, uh, Robert, what's his name? Robert Patrick, is that his name? Yeah, plays the T one thousand. Yeah, but everybody knows you, you see him pop up. Oh, it's the T one thousand. He's the evil one. We know Arnold's good in this. We know that going in. Audiences at the time that they saw it did not know that. Um, so the way the opening of that movie is structured, that entire almost that entire first act, your 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 only form point of reference is the original movie so when you see arnold because you see arnold come back first and you're like oh it's the terminator there's the terminator gotcha he's he's the bad guy because that's what he is in the first one and then you see you know robert patrick come in and he comes in 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 some in, in quote-unquote human form he looks like robert patrick so you're like oh he's the savior this time he's he's the guy sent back to protect you know whoever from the terminator and 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 it's it and they use that throughout that entire opening act. You don't know up until the moment where 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger pulls the shotgun on John Connor and he says, "Get down," 
And once yep. shots are fired, that's when you realize, oh shit, Robert Pattinson, Robert, Robert Pattinson, Robert Patrick's not human. <laughs> the Batman? Yeah. Robert. Robert oh, the Shiny vampires? Oh, God damn. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but up until that moment, they, they give you, yeah, the, that movie, that entire first act is nothing more than a reveal of, oh shit, we're taking the original and flipping it on its ear. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're 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 treading new water at that yeah, point exactly. in time and yeah. you're you're learning new things. Yep. And uh I think that's gonna bring me to my first statement, my first overarching statement for sequels. And and you know, feel free to disagree or agree with this statement, but I feel like a good sequel does not just rehash the first movie. I feel like a good sequel takes what was from the first movie and expands on it to make its own new movie. Um, if you think about, so like Die Hard, and then you have Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Um, it's still just Die Hard, but in an airport now instead. And so it doesn't really, it doesn't really, um, it doesn't, it doesn't bring, it doesn't bring anything it's new not, to the table. Yes. It's the same basic movie. It's the same sort of premise yeah. as the first one. And so that's why I'm not going to say Die Hard 2 is a bad sequel, but I'm not going to say it's a great sequel. Yeah. That's the difference to me between Terminator 2 and Die Hard 2. Yeah. So you you, you got to take what the first one did, build on it, improve it if you can, yeah. and tell your own story. So for, for me, it's it's kind of the same, but it's I have two categories. Does it advance the story and expand the universe mm-hmm. or is it a money grab yeah, yeah. and that's 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 a valid point yeah it's a good way to classify it so so what would be some examples what, what, what would be some examples of both what what's a what's one that expands you know the 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 story in the universe and what's one that's clearly just a, a money grab so for me the easy one is the fast and furious franchise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> as a money grab well, as both, because oh, one, right. you've established a universe, you have your characters. Mm-hmm. Two, you have an original character, a new character, not really advancing the story, but you're still expanding the universe. Same for three. Mm-hmm. You're introducing new characters, you're expanding the universe. Four, we come back to original characters while introducing new characters and still expanding the universe. Okay. Same for five, six, and seven. Now we lose Paul Walker... Eight and nine, not really much story advancement. You're trying to force new people into it, but it's just not working because the original bunch that's been tied in through all of these movies is no more. Like, you've lost one of your linchpins. Eight, the story is terrible. Nine, good God, I can barely sit through it. And you guys, and Scott, you know how much I love my Fast and Furious. I do. So, I do. So, as, as a franchise as a whole, it does it does great up to a point. It loses a piece, and all of a sudden, it's just nope. I need to make more money. I need to make more money. I need to make more money. <laughs> so, so hang on. I've only ever seen the first Fast and Furious. Um, Paul Walker was in seven of them. Uh, Paul Walker was in one six and of two, them. One, he, two, four, five. And yeah, because th- six and seven. Because three is six Tokyo Drift, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the one he's not in. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew, you know, of course we lost Paul Walker and, and it was, it was a tragedy because I really did enjoy him, you know, as, 
uh, as an actor. There was that, there's that great comedic role that he's in. Uh, it's one of those spoof movies, and I forget which one. Shit. Okay, I have to research das, it. Um, das Google. Which one? It's a Das Google. Das Google, yeah. Um, but um, uh, but I didn't realize he was there until like eight was the first one after he passed. I didn't realize that he was yeah. he was there for that long with it. Yeah, um, and he actually passed during the filming of Seven. Oh, okay. So there's there's shots later in the movie that it's actually his brother. Yeah, and I they have that. digitally overlaid his face over his brother's face. Yeah, because because even though they're not identical, of course they are still very close to each other, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do remember that. I, re- I remember reading that they had brought uh, uh, his brother in to uh, uh, to to finish out his uh, his scenes uh, and such. Uh, hang on, I'm, I'm I'm on I'm on his IMDb page right now, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying. Well, Varsity Blues. Uh, that's not the one I'm thinking no, of, but I no, love no, Varsity not Blues. Not a comedy. No, not a comedy. Well, I don't know. You, it it, you it can is, almost, but it isn't. It, it's got some funny ass moments. Pleasantville. That's what I keep thinking of because he's got the. It, it it is a comedy, but he's got that very spoof kind of at the beginning, you know. Yes, when he's when he's doing the yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I keep thinking of him from. Like when I when I hear Paul Walker, Pleasantville is what I see in my head. But yeah, I I love Varsity Blues as well, even though he's not the not the star of that. He's a supporting character. Uh, I would I would also say, sorry, think about sequels again. For me, like Aliens is a great sequel, um, because it takes the idea of Alien. But then also changes it, the genre. It pluralizes and, it. Yes, pluralizes it. Uh, <laughs> it switches genres from being a horror slasher type film to more of an action. See, and, I I still think Aliens retains some retains some of its horror elements. But you're right; it does yeah. bring in more action elements to it than the first one did. Yeah, and it you know it does it introduces new things it. It um, moves the story forward. You still have the general sort of big bad of the company trying to get these uh, creatures to weaponize them. Um, yeah. And to me, I like, and again, you know, James Cameron, he must have figured out sequels or something because he's got two of them that I think are just great sequels. Uh, so Aliens and Terminator 2, both James Cameron films. Yeah. So. Well, so going back to what JBB had said about, you know, a, a good sequel uh, expands on the characters and builds the universe. Something that comes to mind is uh, a, a movie franchise that I really like. Uh, I would love to see more, um, but only if I could have the actors back the way they were, not the way they are now, which is why I don't know if I'd want to really want to see it. But um, the, uh, the Lethal Weapon franchise. While I would definitely, ca- categor- oh yeah, well, while I would definitely categorize them as action movies first and foremost, probably action comedies, buddy cop action comedies, um, and and they do, you can argue that they do kind of tell the same story over and over and over again. Each each Lethal Weapon movie is kind of the same movie. That they really don't try to branch out that much. Um, but what it does do is it adds to the cast of characters. And the actors that they all... Because each movie adds at least one character all the way through. 
but all the actors and characters they you know uh, that they add have great on on screen chemistry together. They kind of build this ensemble cast that works very well on screen. Uh, all the way through. And I know some people don't really care for Lethal Weapon 4 that much. I, I don't mind it. I, I still watch it. Um, but I haven't watched the series. Uh, so I don't know how the series does. Uh, and I, um, to add to your Lethal Weapon, I would say Riggs develops more as a character through those four movies than Murtaugh. Murtaugh yeah. is just sort of the same well, person. Well, he's the straight man. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like I like the story arc of Riggs through those four movies yes. of finding sort of finding peace with himself. And now that you bring it up, probably one of my favorite things is after they have that whole flamethrower incident in four. Oh yeah. With the guy, and then they have to make them both captains because the uh, city can't afford the insurance for them to still be on the street. Yes, they have to promote them. They have to promote them to captain, too. And then there's that scene of those two going, captain, captain, and yeah. trying to captain, salute and captain, shake hands. Captain. Was, yeah. yeah. Once again, but it also comes down to, once again, you've got characters that have great on-screen chemistry together. They just they just work well. Yes. Um, uh, and that. And, and then, of course, you know, on, on the on the downside, you know, you've got what the, 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 the cash grab. Uh, franchises and stuff, of which I'm going to count John Wick in that. Uh, uh, I'm going to count Jurassic Park in that. You know, because I don't think any of the Jurassic Park sequels ever really, really built very well on the universe or or furthered the story. Um, I I don't disagree. (laughs) This one, okay. The Lost World tried... And they they hung the main lead on the wrong person because Jeff Goldblum is great, but Ian Malcolm should not have been the center point of that. Um, and then Jurassic Park 3 was just a straight-up cash grab. But I will say that Jurassic World had a great idea, um, but then sort of devolved back into just being a new version of Jurassic Park. Like, the same things happened in Jurassic World that, well, not in the same way, but basically the same idea as Jurassic Park. But I liked where they were going with um, building a new park on the old island, and it would have been cool to explore more of the old universe in the new setting. But all we get is just that basically one scene in the visitor center. So, Yeah. Um, and 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 this this brings up something for us to kind of uh, introduce into our our d- discussion here um, is one of the aspects you brought up, Jay, is is uh, how long is too long? Because Jurassic Park three came out in two thousand one, Jurassic World came out in two thousand fifteen. That's fourteen years. Uh, another yep. one uh, that's that, that two two more that are, that are recent is you know you had um, uh, Empire Strikes Back which was what eighty nine I think and then you had uh, Phantom Menace uh, which is not a sequel no. but um, 
Return uh, of the Jedi oh, oh, oh. was 83. I'm sorry, 83. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Return 80, of the Jedi was 83. 83. And then you Empire get episode one. Anyway, well, then you get episode one, The Phantom Menace, which, which is not a sequel, but it is 99. So that's a jump of 16 years. You know, and then you get uh, uh, The Force Awakens, um, uh, which is something here as soon as I can get uh, the, get this to come up here, which is what, 2016? Something like that. Uh, so that's that's seventeen then, years. So it's about sixteen, Revenge seventeen of the years. Sith was Revenge of the Sith was two thousand five. Oh yeah, two thousand yeah two thousand five to uh, uh, to two thousand sixteen. Um, so eleven years. I'm oh, sorry, two thousand fifteen. So a jump of eleven years. And now, yeah, most yeah. recently, the most recent one in theaters is Top Gun Maverick, which which is nineteen eighty four to two thousand twenty two. Uh. Which is a hell of a jump. That's like almost more than the others. <laughs> math <Apple> generations. <laughs> yeah, math is hard in my head. Um, uh, so, yeah. but at the same time, you know, um, uh, other than the Jurassic Park thing, because I we we all know how I feel about Jurassic Park. We've discussed it many times in the show, and that's fine. Um, you know, with with going forward to to Star Wars and stuff, uh, I I enjoyed the Phantom Menace when I saw it in theaters. Um, I, I still enjoy pieces of it. There's aspects I don't care for now. Uh, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I wish they'd have done a little differently with that. But um, there's aspects of Force Awakens that I like and dislike. Um, and I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. Uh, the, uh, Jay, I know you have not seen that yet, so. No. Um, and so what I think, I think Star Wars is a different sort of beast than the others because, um, you know, you had your original trilogy, 77, 80, and 83, and then, you know, it was running through syndication and whatever and TV, sh- you know, and still playing because it's not uncommon for you to turn on cable TV and find a movie that came out. 10 years ago yeah. on TV. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hey. So if you think about that, a movie that would have come out 10 years ago but on TV would have been 1993. Now, I was born in 1985. So that in 1993, that would have made me eight. And if I turn on a movie about basically space cowboys shooty shooting their laser pistols and having lightsabers that cut things. And you're like, space, spaceships, battles. Of course, you're going to be, you know, brought into this. And there were still, like, Star Wars was still relevant. And then I think it was George Lucas said, you know, with all this new technology that I've seen, I'd like to go back and add some things to the originals. So the re-releases of the quote-unquote updated or improved or special edition versions uh, into theaters reignited a lot of people and i think that sort of lit the fire for the prequels um but then i would say the sequel trilogy because you get the original the prequel and the sequel trilogy was disney trying to cash in on their check that they gave george lucas yeah you're not wrong they they wanted to make money they they wanted a return on their investment i mean that's 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 yes um yeah but and really, the last three movies were just a retelling of the original trilogy. So, 
yeah, it's different characters, but the story is virtually the same. Yeah, uh, Force Awakens, especially in the first one. Yeah, Force yeah, Awakens is pretty much a beat by beat of, of Star Wars, and that doesn't bother me. I'm fine with it. I got no problems with that. Um, but the, the the topics of what is and isn't wrong with uh, the uh, um, um, sequel trilogy is 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 a whole topic unto itself. Um, because there's people that love it, there's people that don't like it, you know, and, and for reasons and blah, blah, blah. But one thing that I want to bring up with this, uh, specifically talking about the Star Wars and the sequel trilogy and stuff, and it's something that uh, another uh, series did the same thing on, is if you are going to... Um, if you are going to do a sequel to something many, many years later, especially something that's beloved. And let's face it, you're not going to do a sequel, you know, almost, you know, 15, 20 years after the fact without it being beloved. You know, it's got to be loved by somebody in order for you to yeah. say, hey, we're going to we're gonna sequel this instead of reboot it. If you're going to make a sequel, then you're trying not to destroy what's come before uh, because of the fandom. And one thing that, that you, you have to do in my opinion, is you have to give the fans, you know, those, uh, um, the, your original characters. Your fans are coming back because they, they have their fan favorite characters. They want to know what happened to my characters. Where are the people that I loved? What are they doing? Where, where are these characters? Uh, Star Wars did not do that because, you know, we never get a payoff of Luke, Han, and Leia coming back. And when we do get them, it's in small doses. They're, they're trying to give us new characters that we don't care about. They never really give us our old characters, you know, um, not the way we want them. And, and, and spoon-feeding the fandom is not something I think things need to do, but there, there's, there, there's a compromise here. Another one that did it was the, uh, uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot, Answer the Call. People have always wanted another Ghostbusters movie, and you finally give the fans another Ghostbusters movie, and guess what? You're just completely rebooting it, and you're not giving them the guys. They want to know where their original characters are. Now, that being said, that's one thing that I think that, that, that Top Gun Maverick has done. You go into Top Gun, people want to know what's happened to Maverick and what happened to Iceman. Two of the three main characters. Now, we know what happens to Goose. He doesn't make it out of the first one. Um, but, and it does, in fact, the movie's called Top Gun Maverick. It is a Maverick story. We, we know where he's at, what he's doing, you know, and we're getting him in spades. Had they gone into Top Gun with, like, a tried to, tried to hand off and we got just an, an all-new generation of pilots with no Maverick, you know, or he just came in right at the end, you know, people would have been pissed. They've been like, yeah, where's but, where's my characters? I think I think those got you missed you missed the most important thing. I need to know where he went. Huh? Where you know where'd he go? Oh, <laughs> where'd who go? So you got to say where'd he go. You can't say where you can't you sorry. can't use the passive past tense of that and expect him to set up the joke. No, you you've got to you got to say sorry. where'd he go. I, I want to know. I want to know what happened to Hollywood and Wolfman. You know, That's what I want and, to know. And, and and you know, how do you know it's not in the movie? You haven't seen it yet, huh? You're right. You're right. Is it in the movie? It's not. You don't get to see Hollywood. Oh, and Wolfman. See, 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 I want to. <laughs> see, 
and I was I was going to bring up Cougar when he hung it up. Where did he go? Exactly. Well, yeah. he's, he's flying cargo planes full of dog shit out of Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, but he screwed up so bad it's real dog shit, not the rubber kind. Ooh, ooh, mm, that's not good. Um, but you know, I I do think that there's a limitation almost on how long you should go between sequels. And I don't know how, but like it, and I haven't seen it, but it feels like Top Gun Maverick caught lightning in a bottle with the timing of the sequel. And I, I don't know if it's that it just got drug on for so long when it was supposed to come out to when it did come out, or if there's such nostalgia around the original Top Gun that so many people are like, I need to see this sequel. You know, I I don't think it was timing. I think, A, there is nostalgia, uh, because ever since it was announced, like, you had had the people that were like, really, they're making a a sequel to Top Gun? Why would they do that? It's not necessary. And you've got people who are like, oh, shit, yeah, a sequel to Top Gun. But even though you had those two camps, both of those camps were going to see this movie. Yeah. That was never in doubt. Uh, I, I'm guessing the first group of people was hoping that it would just fall flat on its face and be yes. like, see, see, this yep. is why you don't do a sequel to Top Gun. Yeah. Um, well, and it's the same thing bringing up this. It's in the same vein. It's the same thing with uh, the Blade Runner sequel. Uh, and when the Blade Runner sequel was announced, there was a lot of people, myself included, I'll admit this up front, that were like, really, we're getting a sequel to Blade Runner after all this? Blade Runner doesn't need a sequel. You know, there's no reason to make a sequel to Blade Runner. There's the blah, 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 blah. And then I watch it, and I'm like, shit, it's good. You know, and it's good because of what Jamie B. brought up earlier. It, it, it adds to the story, and it grows the universe. And it tells us what happened, you know, to to uh, our character from the first movie. He he gets actual good character development and plot, and, and, and we go back to him, and we find out where he's been. It checks off all the boxes that a sequel needs to check off in order to be a good sequel, especially one so far after the original. Uh, here's it. I'm a, I'm a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go. Also say, can I, can I just bring something up here? And I feel like this is a separate conversation altogether, but where do remakes fall in 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 oh, this discussion this is this is a this is a wonderful little little aspect of this whole thing uh thank you for bringing that up jay where do remakes oh <laughs> what how man what i guess well and i'm thinking goal? i'm thinking of this in what's two like, different ways here okay so i'm thinking okay. of let's go to kurosawa seven samurai uh-huh yeah we get magnificent seven in 67 Yes. We get multiple different remakes. But then you have the other side of it. So let's say the Batman franchise. Which has been remade yeah. how many times in our right. lifetime? So where where would these fall in this discussion? Or what, should they be included at all? Well, to me, a remake is like you are taking... You, you have two things to do with a remake. One, you're going to pay homage to the original... And try to maybe improve it, maybe just update it for a new audience. Um, or you go, okay, this movie was trash, let's try again. You, you know, uh, and, 
and that's it, the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, and given what we're discussing with sequels here, you know what what makes a good one, what makes a bad one, what is what should people you know what should you look for in a sequel, what should be there, what shouldn't be there, how long is too long? I I, I kind of think that remakes should be a companion discussion to this. You know, and then, what what makes a good that remake? also opens that also opens the door to prequels. <laughs> it does. We can we can have a whole trifecta here. Um, so yeah, like with a remake, and like you said, the Magnificent Seven, the the one from the '60s is a great movie, and it has its audience, and it has its people that love it from the '60s, and then you <clears throat> you had the updated version with a new cast. You know, same story, same idea, same things going on, but it's to bring in a new generation and hopefully sort of spark interest in it to maybe take them to look back at the original. Now, <clears throat> and you, then did, you have that connection between well, did, did generations you, of different movies. Did you say Magnificent Seven or Seven Samurai? <clears throat> well, it's all the same. Well, yeah, but I mean... Magnificent Seven was in the 60s. Seven Samurai was like 1954, wasn't it? Something like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 1954. And I think it in itself is a remake as well, right? I thought I thought, I thought, thought uh, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai was... Uh, there was an earlier movie <laughs> that did the same story. At least I thought. Uh, and I'm just... I, I could be wrong. I haven't done any research on this. I'm just, uh, just pulling this out of my ass. But I thought there was an earlier movie. Uh, well then, and then that also like it also brings up the question of like a movie like True Grit. Like, see, do you try to remake True Grit? And like the original True Grit is great. Yeah, I, and I have no problems with the remake. Yeah, either. Same here. I like both of them. Uh, but but also one one could argue that the the quote unquote remake uh, of True Grit is not a remake of the first film. It's just a readaptation of the the same source material. Yeah. Yes. And and, and there therein lies a, a, another thing. You know, are you are you remaking a movie or are both movies based off of the same source material just interpreted by two different people? Yeah. Because you see that all the time. Of a reinterpretation of the source material, um, but anyway, I, I think this is something we need to revisit in a whole in, in its own episode. Is remakes, remakes stuff. Yeah, which which is a, which is a very good idea. Uh, so yes, uh, well, well, we'll have to have Jamie back on for that one because it's her idea. Um, so Kurosawa wrote Seven Samurai. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, that is the original. Okay, in that case, there's something uh, else that I'm thinking of. I, I think it's just that there's that Seven Samurai is a classic story and it sort of is a a retelling like the Magnificent Seven is a retelling of Seven Samurai just as a western and you sort of still take that idea into other movies. Yeah, like Seven Brides not, for Seven Brothers. Yeah, it's just the same story. Right. Yes. A lot of lot of death, destruction, mayhem, and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it even had uh, anime. <laughs> I one I will say though, there's one that I could never figure out, and and it kind of bugged me, and that was um, I could prequel, so like a prequel remake, 
and that was the thing. Do you ever see the uh, the uh, prequel the, remake of the thing? The the movie that takes place at the Norwegian base. Yes, uh, I have not. But then again, I don't really care for the movie The Thing either. Oh, see, I love the movie The Thing, eh. and I watched the pre-makeful, and I was very confused. And then it's almost like they tried too hard to tie it into the original, and so I didn't know if they like where they were going with it the whole time, and that kind of bugged me. And that's like another thing that bugs me about sequels is like. You're taking one minor aspect of the movie and you're trying to make a whole new thing out of it. Yeah. Sort of like a spinoff. And calling it the same thing. Um, for example, what was it? Birds of Prey. Yeah. Because um, Suicide Squad came out and then they came out with Birds of Prey, which was a sequel of sorts, but also a spinoff that just had what they thought was the best character from Suicide Squad in it? Well, they're not wrong. It was the best character from Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just another one. Of, that's another thing about sequels. Like, you kind of got to be careful with your balance of what you're trying to do. Um, so See, This whole discussion just makes me think of Jaws, too. Right? Um, I was, it just—it was in my head, too. I was like... <laughs> Alright, I'm going to have to let you two discuss Jaws 2, because I've, I've never even really seen Jaws all the way through, and I've never seen Jaws <gasps> 2 at all. Oh, that hurts. Well, I never got oh, in... I never, I never understood the point of Jaws, because literally, it's a shark. Here's a radical idea. Stay home and watch football. The shark's not going to get you. You just... Well, just that's stay not, out of the water. Okay. Just, just, just the water. Just, there's no foot. There's, there's no football in July. They had okay, to go in the yeah. water. Okay. Stay home and do macrame. <laughs> stay well, home and do anything. Whole... Oh, it's the seventies. Yeah, you can sell that. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of the whole crux of the the movie, though, is that there's a shark terrorizing the waters of a popular beach, and it's a beach town, and the town needs that income to survive. So, like, if they don't have people going to the beach and coming to their town to go to the beach, then they don't have a town anymore. So that's... Yeah, but I'm pretty sure if, like, you know, everybody who goes to the beach gets eaten by a shark, that's it's going to put a dent in the tourism as well. See, that's funny, because Richard Dreyfus says the exact same thing in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> pretty <Yes>. much. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Jaws and Jaws too. So like, Jaws, you know, killer shark terrorizes small beachfront town. Jaws two, killer shark terrorizes small beachfront town, but this time with sailboats. Uh, and oh, but wait, kids are older. <laughs> but there's Jaws three, where he terrorizes a water park. A sea world, to be exact. <laughs> yeah, and it's in 3D. Oh, God, I, there's nothing better than that animation. Because it's, it's not in 3D on TV, and you just have the shark ominously coming towards the giant window. And it's just sort of 
floating in nothingness, and then it just like opens its mouth. Its mouth and roars. Somehow it roars. The shark roars underwater. Uh, smashes through the window. What? Oh God, I love that scene. What's wrong with sharks <laughs> roaring? Everybody knows the sharks roar. Oh God, it's great. Oh Scott, you need to watch it just to see all oh, that. Just that alone. Yeah, it, it's little known fact that the MGM logo of the lion. You know, the the audio you hear is not the lion's roar because the lion didn't have a really good roar. Uh, they they recorded uh, with underwater microphones a, a, a the roar of a great white uh, and yeah. used it for the for the lion for MGM. Uh, yeah. Then then who recorded the belch of the lion in Strange Brew? Oh, that was that that was uh, that was straight up Rick Moranis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, the Wilhelm scream, you know. It's it's called the Moranis Belch, uh, yeah. But then yeah, then you had Jaws: The Revenge, Jaws mm-hmm. Four, which had only one character left from the originals, who wasn't even in the third one, <laughs> uh, and killed and off the have, last character. You know, and sharks have emotions; they care about revenge. Yes, because <laughs> the the first shark got exploded, and apparently in Jaws 2, that shark must have been a friend of the first one. He's like, hey, I heard what you did. And then he gets electrocuted. And so then the, the third one was like, must have been like their sister or something, because she had a baby shark, and the baby shark died in, the, in captivity, and the, the mama's like, oh, that's not cool. And and she gets exploded, yeah, by a hand grenade. What's <clears throat> the whole thing? Was it Scott? Then, I know we're not we're not selling you on this franchise at this point. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. I, I'm then, I'm I'm loving right now. I'm loving the whole you know Jay's riff on how the sharks all know each other. <laughs> right, and then like the so like the fourth one is like the second cousin twice removed. <laughs> Of the other three sharks, and it's like, did you hear what happened to Jim, Bob, Joe, Bill, and, and Daisy? They all got killed. Jim, Very Bob, Joe, social network. <laughs> Jim, Bob, Joe, Bill, and Daisy. They all got killed by these people up in Nantucket, and so like, oh. he terrorizes the town, and then he like follows them to the Bahamas, and he's like, hey, it's warm here, and and yeah. Uh, and uh, oh god, what's his name? Oh, uh, not James Con. Oh, I don't know. I've never he seen was the he was he was Alfred in the Christian Bale. Oh, Michael Michael Caine. Yeah. yeah, love Michael Michael Caine. Michael Caine is in Jaws: The Revenge because he needed a paycheck. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> I blocked it from memory. That's, that's right, Sir Michael Caine. One of the greatest actors out there is in Jaws the Revenge because he needed a paycheck until he could get into another movie. Hey, so, no Scott, sh- if that doesn't sell you on Jaws the Revenge, you need to go see it. You right know what? Now. I'm just going to skip all the other ones and I'm just going to jump straight to Jaws the Revenge based Do off it. of your recommendations. Do it. <laughs> just, yeah. Watch out for the the second cousin shark twice removed. Uh, yeah, I mean we're we're kind of leaving out a whole genre here too. Okay, 
I mean, look at Nightmare on Elm Street, oh. number two. Oh, God. You, bring, you jumped straight to two, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Had to jump Clear, straight to two. Clearly, it advances the story. It's not a money grab at all. <laughs> no, that's very true. It's not. It advances the story. It adds characters. It does everything that we brought up. And okay. Wow. We had a... <laughs> the children disagree. The, the, the cats. Okay. My cats hate uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 that much. It's okay. Um, Wait till they get to six and they get to watch it in 3D. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Is there a slow motion roaring shark? Because if there's not, there needs to be. Hang on. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can go that way. But don't yeah, care. You, I don't care. You know, you bring, up, you bring up Nightmare on Elm Street, which also opens the door to the Friday the 13th franchise. Yes. And if Obi-John was here, right? <laughs> if Obi-John was here, he would start defending his favorite Friday the 13th, which I can't remember is... I think it's six. Five or six. I think it's six. You know what? Since and he it, has since, reasons. Hang on. Since he's not here, we're going to go ahead and say Obi John's favorite Friday the 13th is Jason Takes Manhattan. Yes. Uh, he loves He, he loves, loves Jason Takes he Manhattan. Loves it. He can't get he, enough of it. Yeah. Obi John's favorite is Jason Takes Manhattan, and his favorite part of that is the boxing match on top of the skyscraper. Yes. In, in Manhattan. Yeah, he talks about it all the time. We, we think he has it playing on a loop in his apartment, you know. Uh, it, it is, it's like, it's highlighted in gold casing, and it has its <laughs> own special spot in the movie case. And it's like a blinking light above it. So he's a fan of the Muppets Take Manhattan as well. Well, you know, we've Probably. never we've not discussed them up it's on this show much. Perhaps this this is an oversight that needs to be uh, you know uh, 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 reconciled. We need more Muppets on this show. Yes, it's it's time to start the music. It's, it's time, time to, to light, light the lights. lights. See, you got to let somebody else take over the second thing there. Just that's the way it works. Sorry, sorry. It's all good. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, going back to Nightmare and and Friday the Thirteenth and everything. Um, uh, and not to jump around, but this does bring up uh, another aspect of sequels that is recent to the whole sequel topic. Uh, jumping over to Halloween. The Halloween franchise has kind of brought into vogue the whole, hey, let's throw out every other sequel that's been done and let's just do a new sequel to the first movie. You know? Let's, let's well, just yeah. Let's just do a whole new timeline. We'll just do a new movie that's a direct sequel to the first movie and ignore everything else that's come in between. How do we feel uh, about that? Resetting the franchise, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's but not a, re- a sequel. It, yeah, a yeah, not a not a full reboot, but yeah, a reset, so a sequel reset. I guess would be a very good way of saying that. Kind of like Star Trek. I, I don't. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, yeah, would Star Trek, would, would the Kelvin timeline with Abrams be considered a sequel reset, or would it be considered a reboot? Because they use time travel to create a whole new timeline. But it does have, it had an original character from the first, like those movies, you know, in Spock. Mm-hmm. And the Spock yeah. that we get in the in the reboot is the Spock from the original Yes. Yeah, it's so. It, it's I guess Spock I want to say Star Trek sort of it like rides the line of reboot and sequel. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be it, it, it's its own thing. But once again, it 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 checks. So it it 
I don't think like Trek brings anything really new to the table. It, it just rehashes a lot of our uh, our old characters. It definitely enhances the story in the fact that we have Spock Prime in the form of Leonard Nimoy coming in, obviously, so it does advance the story. But it, it, it does give us that whole, hey, here's our original characters. We've, you know, so we, we go back to original characters. We don't really ram a whole new set of characters down somebody's throat. Um, because if they had tried to do that and then focused on a different ship between the inter- besides the Enterprise, I don't think it would have worked. Going with the whole going back in time thing. Now you, you would probably you, yeah. would you consider it a, a prequel? <sighs> Since you're technically getting the start of their journey together. Yes. Or at least a version of the start of their journey together, because they do they do wonkify the timeline a little bit as far as of the characters. Um because Chekhov is a lot older than he should be in that movie, but 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 that's a that's the, that's just me going down the Trek rabbit hole and me being a Trekkie the way I am. Uh, <laughs> they 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 had to change the what? year of his birth. Uh, but they I, I get why they did it, of course, because because you've got your seven core crew members already established by this point. You couldn't really do it and not have Chekhov because. A lot of people be like, "Hey, where's Chekhov?" And it's like, "Well, he's eleven at this point." And they're like, "What?" And they're like, never mind. Here's fucking Chekhov. Just, just have Chekhov. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Here's where I just want to say this is where I think Star Trek and Halloween succeeded, while Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street failed. Okay, Halloween, with its sequel sort of reboot and saying, hey, you know what? All these other ones after the first Halloween don't matter. This Halloween is the sequel. Yeah. Right. And then Halloween kills or whatever, I think, was the other one. Something like that. I'm not I I need grit here to correct me on that. We would all need grit here to correct us on that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they succeeded with that sequel because it reinvigorated that franchise. And everybody's like, yeah, we can forget about all those other ones. Uh, Same thing with Star Trek when that one came out in, what was it, 2009? Yeah. Where it it reinvigorated the love of a franchise and everybody sort of forgot about, uh, you know, beaming whales above uh, on board the Klingon's Bird of Prey. and That's my favorite uh, one. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I love that movie. <laughs> I, I'm fine I, with it. It doesn't bother me at all. I like it. There are no, some people it. on this show that do not like it. It is their least favorite Trek. That would be Obi John. Uh, I I don't mind it. I think it's funny when he Scotty picks up the mouse and says "computer." Uh, Hello, computer. <laughs> anyway, uh, but it sort of, you know it reinvigorated the love of the franchise. um, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street both made a new movie to try to reinvigorate the love of the franchise and both of them sort of fell flat on their face. They did. And and, and I I didn't really mind the Friday the 13th reboot. It it didn't really bother me that much. It's it's not bad. Um, The Nightmare on Elm Street, so when it comes to the slasher 
the the big three of the slasher you know genres of the eighties the Jason, Freddy and Mike Myers. Um, I, I'm a I'm a Nightmare on Elm Street guy. I like Nightmare. Um, but the problem with the Nightmare reboot was the fact that you tried to. So first of all, the original movies, the original movies downplay the whole kind of child murderer pedophile aspect of it you know a little bit yeah yeah uh it's there but it's just mentioned in passing and then we really don't revisit it so the the reboot kind of shoves it in your face but then the reboot tries to tries to make freddy a sympathetic character you know and by like hey maybe he was really innocent after all you know Oh shit! Was he really innocent? And and he was persecuted by these this 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 lynch mob that killed him without evidence and everything. Oh shit! That makes that turns it on its ear. And then you get to the end, they're like, oh no, we were just joshing with it. Yeah, he's pretty much a pretty sh- piece of shit in in reality. Uh, he's he's actually the 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 shit storm you think he is. And you're like, what? Well, that just doesn't make any sense. So the thing is, either Freddy is a the villain. Which is what the first the first movie franchise just leans into. Like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. He 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 kills kids in their dreams. Or if you were gonna do the reboot and you were gonna try and make him a sympathetic character that he was he was actually innocent and stuff, then you had to make him innocent. Like you had to lean into that. You couldn't waffle on it. And and that's what they did. They waffled. It's the same thing with talking about Trek. It's the same thing with the sequel to the 2009 Star Trek, which was Into Darkness, where you have the flip-flop, you have the waffle of you bring in Khan Noonien Singh, you know, as the bad guy. But then you have a twist, and it's like, oh, no, we're going to twist it up. He's not the bad guy this time. The Admiral's the bad guy. Oh, wow, cool. But then, like, very unceremoniously, he kills the Admiral, he takes command of the vessel, and it's like, nope, just fooling, he's really a piece of shit. Like, literally, Into Darkness and the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot suffer from the same flaw. The the flip-flop, uh, the waffling. My, I, I just want to throw out, while we're talking about Into Darkness, my favorite part has to be where <clears throat> is it Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Yes. Plays yes. Khan. Yeah. Where he, he's in the the cell the and brig, you're yeah. you know you're watching the movie yeah. and he's like my name is Khan. And you're it's supposed to be a big gasp moment yeah. like yeah. What? what? And everybody's like yeah, yeah, we knew that. Yeah, we know. Yeah. yeah. We, we know he's Khan. What the fuck? We knew they going in. It's a big reveal. Exactly. <laughs> Literally every fan in the theater was like, yeah. And we know. Get over and it. like when they were using his his name of like John Anderson or whatever, or Tom Anderson. Yeah. Like, no, just call him Khan. We know he's Khan. We know he's Let's Khan. just get to the point. We get it, yeah. And in fact, J.J. Abrams has actually come out, you know, since the movie was out and said, yeah, that, that kind of fell flat. He's like, yeah, that we, we shouldn't have done that. That was, that was wrong. Um, now, Which, per- personally, what they should have done... Is they should have left all the they should have retooled the 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 thing where he wasn't conned that he was actually Gary Mitchell, um, and they told the Gary Mitchell story. That would have been better. That would have been a bigger reveal because no one would have been looking for that. Um, but uh, see, 
that that brings up an interesting thing too, Scott, about sequels is we had Star Trek the Motion Picture. Yep. Right? Yep. And then we had Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Which I love Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Everybody does. I mean yep. Right. And I I know, you know, it's a trope that we all fall into of loving the second one. That's but what I didn't like is that they redid Star Trek. You have a brand new you have a brand new timeline, but they went back to Khan yeah. for yeah. the sequel. And like you already did a sequel. So it's like remaking the sequel and they're like, Oh, but this time it's Kirk that dies in the yeah. engine room. Yeah. It's like Yeah, it, uh, it, yeah, a remake of a sequel, as far as I know, Star Trek Into Darkness is the only remake of a sequel that's ever been done. And probably ever will be done because of what Yeah, happened. yeah exactly. Let's just take the sequel that everybody loves and let's flip everything 180 and, and see if people can love it still. And the answer is no. No, they can't. No. That's, no. that's, that's, uh, that's called a money grab. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah it, that, that would very much fall into the money grab category. Um I would rather watch this. This might be a controversial statement, but I would rather watch Star Trek Beyond as the sequel to the first Star Trek than Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh yeah, it, it's not a, it's not a controversial statement. You you are very much in good company there because I would I'll jump straight from two thousand nine to Star Trek Beyond any day. That was the third one, right? Yeah, yeah. The one, yeah, it's the one that Houston loves so much. Sequels. It was the one that Houston loves so much because they bring the Beastie Boys. Uh, what was it? Uh, sabotage. Sabotage back sabotage, into it yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, 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 I, I think I made it to the forty-five minute mark, and I looked at him and I said, "Why are we watching this? This is terrible." And we stopped. Oh. I think he went back and finished it. I couldn't do it. Wow, you don't like it, huh? I love it. I love it a lot. I do. I, uh, I, I, I yeah, I, I like I like a lot of aspects of this story. First of all, it's an original story. It's not a rehash of, of something we saw before. Um, second, you've got the, the former Starfleet officer and his two crewmates who have been using an alien device, you know, to keep themselves alive, and they've, they've turned better. Now, could the story, first of all, two, two things. One, the whole sabotage thing. Yeah, I get it. It's a little, it's a little wonky, uh, but it's a callback to Star Trek 2009, so it's a way to wrap back around to to the first one in in the in the series. Um, but two, it was it was directed by the same guy that directed uh, the some of the Fast and Furious movies, and I forget the director's name. Oh, um, Lynn. Lynn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he has the motorcycle sequence, which I wish they'd have left out. I'm not. I didn't a, make it that far. I'm not a fan of the motorcycle. Oh sequence. yeah, yeah. Um, um, I do enjoy. Uh, I do enjoy that uh, Sulu saying that they have to. I think it was Sulu, right? Saying that it wasn't designed to take off from atmosphere, so they have to get gain speed first. Yes, and they just was, sort of fly off the edge of the cliff. Yeah, it was not designed to take off from an atmosphere. So yeah, uh, which yeah. basically that's the Star Trek equivalent of rolling downhill and popping the clutch. That's basically <laughs> yes. what they did. Um, although I say that, and I'm dating myself because I'm sure that most of our listeners are going to have no idea what the hell I mean by popping the clutch. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, is that a new is, dating what, term? What is, is, is this manual term? transmission you're talking about? <laughs> What'd you do Saturday night? Oh, I popped the clutch. So, yeah. Um, I like Beyond. Yeah. I think it's fun. Oh, um, I was going to say something else with that. I forget what it was now. Oh, another thing that I, I think that that movie does well as a sequel is it takes all of your characters and it breaks them up into groups, but not groups you would expect. It, it, it kind of, it puts them with, you know, people they wouldn't ordinarily be with. Um, yeah. Uh, and everything, which is something sometimes you have to do with an ensemble cast. You, you have to break them up. You have to mix, mix up the dynamics a bit and see what happens. Split the party. Yeah. You have to split the party. So, anyway. Just trying to think of anything else I could help me classify a good sequel. Godfather 2? Um, I've, had, I've actually never seen Godfather 2. Really? Have you seen The Godfather? Yeah. Yes. Have you read the book? No. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Math teacher Scott, words hard can't do. Uh, yeah, I, I so Godfather Two is one of those interesting things where it's literally they went back to the novel and they're like, okay, what didn't we put in the first one? Cool, let's make that a sequel. <laughs> um, so we can make it longer. So we can make it longer. Um, but it, it it does some very good things. One, it ticks off the box of what has happened to Michael Corleone. So you've got to go back to Michael Corleone. You've got to go back to our character from the first movie, the one that we want to know where they're at. You've got that. Um, two, it adds to the story by giving us the history of Vito Corleone. Uh, three, it adds to the cast of characters. It expands the universe by giving us, you know, the, the world that Michael lives in now, which is, you know, the congressional hearings, Hyman Roth, uh, and and all that good stuff. So it literally checks off like three of the four main boxes that sequels have to do to have even a chance of being good. So I, th- I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring up one of my husband's favorite movies. Oh, Evil Evil Dead Two. Oh, oh, oh! Is yeah. it That's a good is one. it a but is it a sequel? Or is it a retelling of the original? It is a sequel. Um, it's a sequel because the retelling of the original only takes the first, like, what, 15, 20 minutes of that movie? Yeah, yeah, about that. It's not even the full first act. So it's it's kind yeah. of like... It, so, so think of it this way. So Evil Dead 2, okay, is a sequel at its heart. It is a sequel. But it starts with a previously on, (laughs) you know, uh, last time on Evil Dead. That's where it starts. You do have a little bit of an overlap. It's not a full remake of the original, but it's not a full on the, the first movie ends. Now we cut and pick up from the end of the first movie. You have about a 15 to 20% overlap there. Uh, and I forget, but uh, Sam Raimi and and Bruce Campbell have actually stated uh, a couple of times, like, if you wanted to stop Evil Dead, if you finished Evil Dead and you didn't care about the recap and you just wanted to watch Evil Dead 2 from the point where it takes up, 
Like there's a there's a certain minute mark that you need to fast forward to, and then boom, you're into the sequel at that point. Yeah. So yeah, and I I think Evil Dead Two does what like Aliens did to Alien, so it changes the tone. So like you you know Alien is horror slasher majority of it, Aliens is action majority of it. While Aliens does retain some of the horror qualities of Alien, it's the same thing with Evil Dead. Evil Dead was like a low, low, low budget horror film. And it became this sort of cult classic. So then Evil Dead 2, it changed the tone. It it still kept some of the qualities of it being horror, but it went into sort of like almost slapstick comedy. Yeah sort of mode, which then Army of Darkness took off and just ran with Yeah, it just ran with the comedy. <clears throat> yes, which is great. I will, oh, I love Army of Darkness, well, but I also love Evil Dead 2. Yeah, and um, also uh, uh, the series Yeah, uh, kind of just, just, just skidded straight into that, but then they, they brought the horror back into it a little bit. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, if you look, yeah. And that's, well. Sorry, I was just going to say, that's what I love about sequels, is, like, if you shift tone and still make it successful, I really enjoy that in well, a sequel. And so, and so I think that's the thing. If we distill it down, we've got several main bullet points here. A, it has to continue the story. The story has to develop. We have to have more story development. B, it has to expand the universe. You know, you have to give us, you have to bring us more content. You can't just rest on your laurels. Uh, C, you have to tell us what's going on with our characters from the from the original. Whether that's full development or you just bring them in and you say, here's what's happened to them, now we're going to go on with the story. You have to satiate our desire to see our beloved characters again. Uh, and D, you, you shift tone. You can't just do the exact same movie again. And as a side note to that, um, in the same vein, one thing I'm going to bring up that I hate when, when, when sequels do, and the 80s were guilty of this. The 80s were guilty of, let's make a sequel to the first movie, which means we need to hit every scene that the first movie had. And the big one that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out is Ghostbusters 2, The Statue of Liberty. Because they're yes. like, well, we, we we had the Stay Puft, and it was huge, and it was this big lumbering monster down Main Street. So we got to have something big coming down Main Street. What about the Statue of Liberty? I hate that entire sequence. <laughs> I, I I hate that sequence. That's just it's dumb. It's stupid. It, it does not. But your track. love. I'm sorry. It's lifting me. Your love is lifting me higher. Uh, yeah. Higher, higher. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. Yes. You. You know. My love can Jackie Wilson you all it needs to. Um, but it's still a dumb sequence. It, Sounds just like Jackie. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Um, the the funniest part of that movie is still Peter McNichol. Yes. Um. But yeah, so yeah, I I think yeah, those are you know shift tone. Give us our original characters. They they don't have to be front and center, but you do kind of have to give us you know give us what we need from the original. Shift tone. Give us characters. You know, 
Uh, further the story, you can't just tell the same story over and over and over and over again looking at you, Jurassic Park. Um, uh, and, uh, I would, huh? I would throw in there, avoid paring down the, uh, movie to the most entertaining elements and making that a movie. Yes. Um, and what I mean by that is Rambo. <coughs> yeah. So Rambo, Rambo first blood. A lot of people just like it for the action elements. They don't really even... A lot. I will say a lot of people probably don't care too much about the story of what's actually happening, which is the whole purpose of it. Because Rambo: First Blood Part Two pared out everything about Rambo: First Blood of him being, you know, a sort of misplaced vet. He doesn't have anybody to. Oh, look at this action hero go in and and save the day. And then Rambo Three, like. They didn't just double down. They tripled down on that action yeah. for Rambo 3. And so I would say avoid that in your sequel. Don't don't just pare it down to what you think the audience wants to see are the quote-unquote good parts. Yeah, I agree. I, one, of, one of my shameless um, picks for this, um, for me it kind of hits a lot of those high points that Scott mentioned, is the Mission Impossible franchise. Okay. Because you're still weaving a story. You still have, you know, Ethan Hunt through all six movies, soon to be seven movies. You still have primarily his core team together through all of these movies. There's adventure. Sure, it's a money grab. It's a Tom Cruise thing. Of course, it's a money grab. You how many? You know how many people have seen Maverick? It's a money grab. But they're not terrible <laughs> movies. <laughs> well, I've and, and they. They continue to expand the universe and advance the story through all six of these movies. I've only ever seen one, two, and three. So I've only ever seen one. Oh, I've, wow. I've not. I've not seen the others. Two, two, and three are not great. Um, four, five, and six, not bad. I think Ghost Protocol I... is probably my favorite of the bunch. Honestly, once we start pulling Jeremy Renner in. He adds it like another level to it. Love Jeremy Renner. Yeah. I I, I didn't hate three. I'll just say that. I didn't hate three. Uh, I thought it was much better than two. Um, but that's a low bar. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was, to me, it was losing its, I, I sort of lost it when it was no longer the original idea of, of being spies. Yes. Like, I, that's what I really loved about the first one is the whole, like, it was a new idea for spying for me. And I really liked that. And then the second one turned it into an action movie. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. And the third one was like, we sort of go back to spying, but it's still sort of like, it's almost like a Jason Bourne type situation. And I was and like, eh. Four, five, and six is kind of bl a blend of those two. They get back to the spying, but depending on what's going on, it's definitely a Jason Bourne movie. Okay. Which, that, oh man, I didn't even think about bringing this up. One thing I really hate about sequels is sequel baiting. And what I mean by sequel baiting is you make a movie and leave it open-ended to potentially make sequels. Or you already film the sequel while you film the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> nobody in particular, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, 
And hey. I, I know we discussed that too, Scott. And hey. he, he liked well, well, two and three, which is fine. Well, actually, I like three. I don't really care too much for two. But here, yeah, here, here, herein lies herein lies another thing. Like, which sequels do you all like that are kind of universally hated? Because, because I have a pension for sequels that I'm I'm somewhat tolerant of them, but I get yelled at for a lot. Okay, so like, <laughs> like here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement. Okay, I like Godfather Three. Okay, wow, that. That could get you shot in some places, I'm pretty sure. Exactly, and why? Because when I say I like Godfather 3, what people hear me say is, oh, Godfather 3 is just as good as 1, if not better. No, 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 no. Godfather is infinitely better. Like, there's no comparison between Godfather and Godfather 3. Godfather is just awesome. Godfather 3, it's an okay movie, but I enjoy it. I also say I love Pirates of the Caribbean 3. I will even say yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is my favorite of the first three. But everybody... Do you know what's awesome? Huh? Sorry, go ahead. Well, But everybody hears me say God or, or Pirates of the Caribbean 3 is, 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 is the greatest Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And I didn't say that. It's got flaws. Pirates of the Caribbean is a great movie. But I just happen to prefer it. And, and I happen to prefer it just because of uh, Jeffrey Rush's performance. In that movie, right? Like that's what that's what um, I love about it. I I think there's an interesting phenomenon with one movie franchise in particular, where people enjoy the sequels more than the original until a certain point, and then they hate the other ones. And what I'm thinking of is Rocky. Okay. People like Rocky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But people really like Rocky too. Well. And 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 I'm gonna real, real quick, and I'll let you. Uh, sorry, um, but I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna circle this back to the beginning of this show, where you made the statement that Terminator Two is a perfect sequel. Yeah, and, and I disagree with you because of some some storytelling reasons. Yeah, if I had to pick a perfect sequel, it would be Rocky Two. It is a pretty great, great sequel. From, from story, from storytelling perspective, from story structure to execution to performance to ultimate outcome, Rocky and Rocky Two form a brilliant, complete story, making Rocky Two the perfect sequel, in my opinion. And that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Um, and then, like, you have people that are like, "Oh, Rocky Three, you know." And then there are people out there that Rocky Four is their favorite, for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and and I don't mind Rocky Four. Like I don't mind any of the Rocky movies except for Rocky Five. Which, which I, one I is Rocky Five? Rocky Five, the one where he trains Tommy Gunn. Oh, the the Street Fighter one. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, I think that's yeah. universally agreed is the worst of the Rocky movies. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have Rocky Balboa, which. I enjoyed that one too. And it's, you know, but Rocky Balboa leaned heavily into nostalgia. It did. It did. And and, and, remember Rocky? Yeah. 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 And and there's another aspect that we haven't talked about. And, and actually I'm looking, I'm looking at our time here because, because we're, 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 (laughs) we're getting, we're getting long. Well, we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of what we usually run, but that's fine. It's not like we've never gone over before, but, 
that there there goes a whole we've got this whole thing right now of sequels that are leaning heavy on nostalgia. And as much as I did talk about Maverick, you know, or Top Gun Maverick uh, doing, you know, doing its thing of, of ticking a lot of the boxes that we've we've discussed for a good sequel, it does lean on the nostalgia crutch. Uh, yes. So, so what will what will the Avatar sequel lean on? Oh God, I hope if and when it finally comes out. In all honesty, I hope it's just a damn cash grab and it burns so hard and becomes universally hated that we never hear about Avatar again. Because I got no desire to see an Avatar sequel at all. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I I don't I don't know what you can do to further that story. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't. What's yeah, you hit the nail on the head? What can you do to further the story? How can you expand on the universe? Can, you know, are, are we bringing back our... So, in my opinion, you can't bring back the one character I cared about because that was Stephen Lang's character and you killed him. You know, I was rooting for Stephen Lang in the military the whole damn time, you know. Uh, I was yeah. watching that first movie and I'm like, yeah, kill the blue alien hippie alien things, you know. Take, take Burn the... down that tree. Exactly. <laughs> Stupid tree. Um, so, so uh. my problem with it was... I watched it on a five-inch screen on the back of an Ooh. airplane seat on the way to Tokyo. Oh. So I didn't yeah. get I didn't get to enjoy the visuals. I actually had to focus on the story. I shouldn't be able to predict what's going to happen through two and a half hours of that crap. Right? <laughs> I yeah. don't expect the sequel's going to be any yeah. better. And, and that's true. Uh, if if you take out the 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 whole IMAX stunning visual thing, if you if you take out the eye candy of that movie, the story is rudimentary at best. Yes. Yeah, that I was just gonna say, saying Avatar two is coming out would be like if Kevin Costner was like, "Hey, I'm gonna make uh, Dances with Wolves 2. How can you make this? What are you going to do to the story? Like, how do you further that story? You can't. You told the whole story. Exactly. Like, you told the whole story of Jake Sully. Like, yeah, he's 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 now in the Avatar body. Like, that's it. Yep. All right. Well, I don't know where else you're going to go. Well, and um, um, now that being said, I will have to say I enjoyed Avatar for one thing, and that was with the resurgence. When, when when 3D movies kind of had their resurgence of uh, uh, of uh, uh, the 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 whole fad, you know, came back with the new 3D technology and stuff, the Avatar 3D was the best one that I saw. Yeah, because there were several times I literally felt like I was it was fully I was immersed in it, like everything was off the screen and around me. Um, that part I enjoyed from a technical as- aspect. Uh, from a storyline, yeah, it was it was very basic. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, and I, I'm not looking forward to a sequel for that. I don't care. Um, uh, I, and, and I'm curious if it's, you know, is it going to fall on its face or is it going to be a successful cash grab? So Yeah, I'm not sure. And, like, when we were talking about nostalgia and leaning on nostalgia, <clears throat> it did, but it didn't to me was um ghostbusters afterlife had some to it and i think that's what brought it in and i love that movie yeah i really do yeah but it did also like it offered the nostalgia it did hey remember how much you love ghostbusters well yeah we're finally making a true 
third movie to it. Well, but also, so here's the thing with Ghostbusters Afterlife. Did it have a nostalgia component to it? Absolutely. It sure did. I mean, you know, we had to bring Egon back. We we had the 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 the, the proton packs and everything like that. Did that movie oh. did that movie rely on the nostalgia? No, it didn't. It did a good job of sprinkling sprinkling the nostalgia around the edges to to you know to kind of uh, help with the flavor profile of it. That movie can stand on its own with the characters, the story, and the development. We got new story. We got further story. Like it it checked off a lot of the boxes. Maybe not all of them, but but yeah, um, I I think that 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 hits very well. It it. It really a good sequel slash great sequel, whatever you want to call it, is is a balancing act of a lot of different elements, and I think we've kind of boiled it down to about four. Yeah, and I I think one big thing too is watching the sequel shouldn't feel like you're watching a sequel. I'm gonna you know what you, I mean. Like I'm, you, I'm gonna need you to quantify that. So like. A lot of movies that are sequels, you go into and you watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely the second one of this. Where, you know, it's not in line with everything that you would expect from the first one. Yeah. But some movies that are sequels, you go to and you're like, wow. And, like, you completely forget that this is another story in the sequence. Yeah. Like, it it could be its own story. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, okay. you forget I, that it's a sequel. Yeah. And, which and, is how I felt watching Afterlife. Yeah. That you yep. kind of forget it's a sequel. And, and that might actually be the distinction between a good sequel versus a great sequel. Right? Because yeah. um, Afterlife is a great sequel because of that fact. Like you're like okay, I'm watching a sequel, but by God, that is a great, that is a good movie in its own, uh, in and of its own right. Top Gun Maverick is a good sequel because you're like, wow, that was a good story, but that was a great Top Gun sequel. Like you, you know, you you, you still got that that thing that yeah, I'm watching a sequel to the original. Um, Rocky Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> great sequel. <laughs> I, I mean, I was gonna say Crocodile Dundee in Los in Los Angeles. Oh, oh yes! <laughs> wow, wow! We went straight to, to to Dundee in Los Angeles, huh? I did. I went wow. there. Well, I was. I, it was between that or Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, oh yeah. God! I'm, I'm glad. Oh, you're I'm, welcome. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome, oh, America. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Why did you just put that back into everybody's heads? <laughs> you're welcome. That's what uh, I'm here for. I didn't think it could get worse than Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, but then you said Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Wow. Well, I think that's a good place to end there. What do you think? (laughs) Yes. Shall we? The lasting impression of Jason Takes Manhattan, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, and uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I already forgot. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. That's how much I hated it. I'm already forgetting. Wow. (laughs) Anyway. So that's our take on sequels. Um, what makes a good one? What makes a great one? Uh, what 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 should you do? What should you avoid doing? I think we distilled it down into four very nice, concise points, and it's a very fine balancing act beyond all those points, plus a little nostalgia maybe thrown in for flavor. 
here and there when applicable. Um, but thank you all for joining us on this journey into sequels. It was a wonderful discussion. Doc, JBB, thank you for having this discussion with me. I, I enjoyed it immensely uh, and such. Uh, if, if you all out there think, you know, uh, that, you know, what, what, what did we forget? What did we miss? What did we do right? What did we get wrong? You know, drop us a line. What are some of your favorite sequels? What are your, some of your favorite sequels? You know, I will tell you why you're wrong. Uh, unless it happens (laughs) to be a Mortal Kombat Annihilation, then we'll, in which case we'll tell you why you're right. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but drop us a line on Facebook. Um, uh, you can find us uh, with the Talk Nerdy to Me uh, podcast network on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TN, the number two M Podnet. Until next time, this has been your weekly Nerdy Nerd.